The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Well, we have an exciting show for you today. We're going to go behind the scenes of the hottest, newest, nationally syndicated reality TV show called Paternity Court. And taking us on this journey is David Armour, the creator and executive producer of Paternity Court. David has a whole history. He's of making deals in Hollywood um, as a development programming and production executive. And um, this one, Paternity Court, is particularly his baby. And so I'll, I'll welcome you to the show, David. Hey, thanks, Dr. Carroll, for having me. Well, you know, you know, this is called Dr. Carol's Couch, and of course we're going to talk about paternity court. You'll take us behind the scenes, as I said. But I want to start off with, you know, a lot of people would love to be in your shoes. Um, ever, you know, people watch television and they think they have the next greatest idea for the next greatest television show, or they think, you know, what fun it would be to be a Hollywood TV producer. And um, so this is, you know, this is... This is a job that um, lots of people, shoes that lots of people would be in, like to be in. So I'd like to start first, before talking about paternity court, uh, taking you back to your watching television as a child and what some of the favorite shows of yours were. Wow, that's a long time, <laughs> Dr. Carroll. You're making me really go back while sitting on this couch. Um, you know what, I, I always love shows that have good stories. So ever since I've been a, you know, a small child, so not only do I sit and you know, I've watched hours and hours and hours of sports, but anything that I watched, I love a good story. So when you talk about going down the paternity court journey, I've always loved going down a story journey on any show. I mean, even a sitcom. I love a good story. I love getting into the, quote, characters. And so when you get to do reality television, you really get to dig even deeper than just a character because you're digging into real people. Um, so, I, don't, I mean, I loved sitcom-wise, I loved everything from, you know, family ties to what's happening to um, uh, the Jeffersons. Um, I, uh, you know, I, then I really liked things like Love Boat and Fantasy Island, uh-huh. um, Charlie's Angels. I loved Charlie's Angels. I loved the mystery of it, and I loved the, you know, the guessing side of it. Um, and I think that's probably what got me interested in the types of shows that I do now where you get to watch the show and really try to figure it out as you go along. Yes, yes, the mystery. Um, but at what point <clears throat> did you decide that this is what you wanted to be when you grew up? Um, is it a bad thing if I tell you that it kind of happened by accident? So I was uh, in college, 
And my parents had a friend who was a, a female comedian. Her name was Pudgy at the time. She's huh. since passed away. And she came to stay at our house because she was going to appear on a talk show called The Sally Jesse Raphael Show. Huh. And I don't know if you two remember that. I was on a Sally Jesse, Raf- a Sally Jesse Raphael Show several times. Of course you were, Dr. Carol. And so, um, so I went with my mom and her friend to this taping. And it was a show on female comedians. And Pudgy was on the show, and at the time they had Rosie O'Donnell was on before mm. she was you know, famous, and Carol Leifer was on, and a couple other female comedians and my mom's friend. And while I was there, I struck up a conversation with a woman who was the internship coordinator. Huh. And she said, hey, do you want to come intern for us over your Christmas break? And I was like, yeah, I'd love it. And that started my my you know, my journey in television. I went and I interned that Christmas. They asked me to come back the following summer. I went back the following summer to intern. They asked me to come back the following Christmas, and they actually paid me. I went back the following Christmas, met a load of people, and then the summer after when I graduated, I had met enough people that, you know, I had a job offer to, to start in the business. Wow. Um, what were you so majoring you know, in college at the time? I was a communication major and a psychology minor. Huh. So you were kind of, I mean, this, so it had occurred to you before that you might be interested in going into the, I mean, what, when you were majoring in communications, <laughs> what was your original goal? I actually thought I was going to go and become a sports agent. Huh. So I wanted the communication background. I really wanted to have the great writing skills. I thought I was going to go to law school and, um, and go into either uh, sports agenting or even sports marketing. Well, that's interesting. So this is like um, a, equal to the story of being discovered in Schwab's uh, drugstore. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess you could say that. You know, it was just it was one of these things where, you know, as a kid in college, uh, you know, when I was interning, they gave me so many different opportunities to learn. Mm-hmm. You know, I was doing this internship, and, and, you know, to be honest, I was interning uh, as many days a week as I could. I was working as a doorman on the Upper West Side in Manhattan so I could earn money. And going to the internship two full days and going every morning until I had to be uh, a doorman at 3 p.m. And I just put in hour upon hour upon hour, and I'd stay late at night when I could, and I'd go as early in the morning as I could. And I was really fortunate. You know, the producers and the associate producers and even the production assistants all were willing to take me under their wing and teach me and let me learn and let me see kind of, um, you know, how to bake the cake. And they showed me how, you know, all the different ingredients, so to speak. And they were great about teaching, and I loved it. Well, that, uh, you know, and, and then, of course, it becomes, you're just so familiar with everything that then when you become the executive producer of a show like Paternity Court, not that it doesn't have its own unique challenges, but, I mean, so much of that is just second nature to you. Yeah, I mean, I think, I, I think you're right. I think some of it becomes second nature. Some of it is just... Uh, Yes, I mean, it's the luxury of working with great people along the way. And, you know, having been at every step of the road, you know, I mean, I, I was a, an intern and then I became a researcher and then an associate producer and then a producer and a coordinating producer, supervising producer, co-executive producer. So, you know, by climbing the different l- rings of the ladder, um, you're able to learn everything as you go along or learn as much as you can. And then, right. you know, w- once you get past that, then, you know, a lot of instinct has to kick in. And you know this, you know, when you're working on a show and you've got to understand how to deal with people because they're all different and every story is different, then you've got to, you know, let your instinct and, and hopefully your, your feeling for the show kick in to know how to handle situations. Yes. 
And so, I mean, one of the, th- one of the uh, shows that David launched was the original Ricky Lake show in New York. Um, so, okay, could you, I want to get to, of course, Paternity Court, but could you just take us on a little arc of, of you know, how, I mean, you had the vision for Paternity Court. Why don't we, we go to that? And then how all of your other um, experience um, helped you to get Hollywood to greenlight Paternity Court. Yeah, I mean, I'll, uh, I mean, I'll kind of go backwards first. I was really fortunate um, to have been a part of a team to launch the Ricky Lake Show, and at the time, I was very junior in my career. I started as an associate producer at the Ricky Lake Show, and I worked with some brilliant, brilliant, brilliant um, executive producers. So uh, Garth Ansier, who went on to launch and start the the CW. And then the WB was one of the original executive producers, a woman named Gail Steinberg, who's a, you know, a, a fantastic showrunner, were the, the leaders of that team launching the Ricky Lake Show, which was you know, a talk show brought out to age down the talk show genre. I mean, at the time, it was Oprah and, and Phil Donahue, and Ricky was a way to kind of bring younger people into daytime talk. And so we really learned how to, how to do that and how to approach a younger demographic. So instead of shows that would appear on Donahue, which were, um, you know, my daughter dresses too sexy, Ricky took it from a, the young person's point of view, and it could be my mother thinks I dress too sexy. Uh-huh. And while it sounds like just semantics, it was just, again, the point of view of a show. So, you know, I was really fortunate to really see from a junior growing up to a senior level, uh, you know, I left there as a co-executive producer, um, but I got to see how to launch a show and how to really focus mm. on the point of view of the show. And then throughout my career, I was able to, you know, take on a bunch of other different challenges, which were fantastic. And it kind of all culminated in this idea that I had for a paternity court, which was, you know, again, there's a way to do content that's really interesting because, as you know, it's raw emotion, it's real emotion, um, but it's really interesting and really fascinating. And at the same time, I think you can do things that really can help people move forward. It doesn't have to be exploitive television. It can be a way that, that you know, you know this firsthand. You know, we take every one of these stories very seriously. And we treat everyone like guests, not like, you know, people appearing on a show. And we're able to take these raw emotions and, and really help them move forward. And I think that was a big thing for me, which is I want to do a show that's powerful. And I want to do a show that, that is emotionally driven and is real and raw and interesting. But at the same time, I didn't want to do a show that just brought people in and threw them out the door. Yes, and of course that does happen in so many shows. And I must say, well, I guess I, um, I guess I should. Uh, we're, we're probably needing to take a break right now. But when we come back, we'll talk more about this. Um, and I will, in the in the uh, for the goal of transparency, I will I will acknowledge that I am the psychiatric consultant to Paternity Court. So yes, I have. Uh, a particular um, desire to see it succeed, but I also am honored to be involved with such a show that does have such respect for the guests. So I think we need to take a break. Um, we'll be back with my guest, David Armour. Uh, you're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. 
Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, here today with David Armour. He is the uh, creator and executive producer of the hottest new show on TV (laughs) called Paternity Court. And I will be telling you at the end of the show how you can find out more about it and how you can find out it's nationally syndicated, so how you can find out what time and what station it is on in your area if you don't know already. Um, David is... Uh, a development programming and production executive. We've been talking about uh, some of his accomplishments in Hollywood. And um, he, uh, as I said, it was his baby uh, to form. Well, he formed his own production company after being affiliated with all, all the top production companies. He formed his own in 2005 and uh, 79th and York Entertainment. And um, why don't you take us now to... From, from the, you were just starting to talk about how you got this vision for Paternity Court. Well, you know, as I mentioned, you know, I've been around the daytime block long enough. You know, I've worked with Ricky Lake and with Queen Latifah, and I worked with Ryan Seacrest, and I've launched a bunch of shows. And, and as I've gone through these years of seeing what viewers want, they want good stories. They want real stories. You know, that's a big question we also get about this show, which is, are the yeah. litigants real? And they are 100% real. Um, yes, they are. <laughs> and, and I think people want real stories, and they want good storytelling. I think people are really starting to get tired of other shows um, where people just kind of walk onto a show, they stand up, they scream at each other, they yeah. punch or they throw chairs or whatever, you know, whatever nonsense, and you, you can't hear them. They're yeah. screaming on top of each other. And I think people want a good story. And I think we tell good stories on this show. And I saw, you know, there's a, there was a void in the marketplace for just great, intense, deep storytelling. And, you know, I really looked at the marketplace and I said, all right, you know, there's the core genre, which, you know, definitely is a a steady genre. There's the the concept of paternity, which, you know, I had done so many shows and episodes of other Mm. shows when I was at Ricky or other programs, and paternity just resonates with an audience. And I said, what if we could bring the two genres together? So you could take the topic of paternity and really put it into a court setting, so you keep control, um, yet you still get the interesting, raw, emotional, real responses, and um, and just put it together. And then by happenstance, you know, syndicator decided they they wanted to take the show out to market and sell it to the stations. And here we are, you know, two years later, with ninety two percent clearance in the country and a show that's um, 
really doing well. Yes, the ratings are really, uh, it's only been out since September 23rd, only been on air, and um, it's continued to grow each week, right? Correct. So, yes, you know, uh, I think we're the only show, don't quote me on this, Dr. Carroll, but I think we're the only new show this season in syndication where from week one to week two to week through three, our household um, numbers and the overnight ratings have grown every week. Well, I think the more people who see this show, um, I mean, you know, as you were saying, it's not, it's not just um, like, who's your baby daddy? It's uh, because, they're, because it's a half-hour show and only one story per show. And so we really get to, to get into the um, depth of the lives of all the people who are coming here. And sometimes it isn't even, uh, it's a DNA test. So sometimes it's also uh, sisters or other siblings or um, there are other kinds of, what did you say? Grandparents even. Or, yes. Um, so it's, you know, every story is unique, but what they have in common is that because they get so deep and it brings out, you know, whatever the test is, this DNA test, a lot of, it's family secrets for years uh, in some cases, and, and you know, it's, it's a secret regardless or else they wouldn't need a test. Um, and so it brings such incredible emotion. You really get to know these people and you get to root, and, you know, that, isn't that, I mean, we're all... <laughs> Standing behind the scenes and crying for some of the cases, you really get to root and care about the people. Yeah, no, it's, it's pretty amazing. I mean, I think when, when I first started talking about this show, I always said to the executives, and even last year in January at a convention called the NAPI convention where you know, stations come to buy the show and decide if they want to run it in their market, and I said to people, look, this show really has to go far beyond the result. The you are the father, you are not the father, right. and really go into the where do we go from here. And so often, you know, on the show you will see where we have to go back before even the pregnancy to then the pregnancy yes. and the questions surrounding the pregnancy and then to childbirth and then where we go from here. And I think that to me is where it gets pretty fascinating because other shows are able to kind of just go into the quick I don't think I'm a father. You do think you're the father. No, you're not the father. Yes, you are. That, that simple circle, and then you are, you're not, and that's it. Right. And I think what's really fascinating is we care about the what happens next. You know, this show and this courtroom is all about families and all about children and all about how do we move forward because the children are what's in the best interest of this court, and what we care about as a show is helping these families move forward. And I don't think people initially when they heard the, the, the title Paternity Court, thought that we could go there and bring that type of depth to, uh, to a television show, need less to, to families. Yes, absolutely. Um, there's a quote that, you, um, that, you, that is attributed to you that I'd like to read. Uh, we're not talking about someone who broke another person's sunglasses. These are life-altering decisions. There's a beginning, middle, and end to each story. But then there's what happens after the paternity test results. We don't take any of this lightly. There is a responsible side to the show where we can help families get on the right path. And that's, that's so true. It's not like, you know, it's not who broke the sunglasses or who owes who money for a car or a loan or, you know, furniture or whatever. This is so much more important than that. Yeah, and not that those, those other court shows aren't amazing and impactful and, and, you know, fantastic at what they do. So it's not to in any way take away from any other show. It's just that, you know, when a gavel comes down on that show, there's a sense of finality. So you do owe your neighbor for running over their picket fence. Right. Done. You must pay it. The court will order you to pay it. 
But in this case, there's so much more that happens after the gavel comes down and we say, you are the father, you're not the father, which is why often you'll see the gavel doesn't come down after just the results. It comes down after we're able to talk to these families, talk about empowering them, talk about how to move forward. And that's the big difference with our show and these other you know, court shows. If we get lumped into court shows, it's just that that's a big difference. It's not just a verdict for the sake of a verdict. It is about how to move forward and how do we take advantage of the resources the court's going to give you to move forward. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, there have been some really interesting patterns that have come out, uh, not to give too much away here, but um, things like, um, you know, I mean, I've, I've been talking about this before, but it's been sort of brought home to me. Um, so many of these people, you can see that they've gotten into bad situations because they are missing fathers in their lives, whether it's the girls who never had a father or the guys who never had a father or they had a father but the father wasn't involved with them and really wasn't there to teach them um, how to be in life, um, whether it's a girl or a guy. And then it, what's interesting is to see how so many of the guys, when they haven't had a father in their life, have decided that all the more that they want to be a good father to their child if it turns out that they are the father because they don't want their child to go through what they went through. Right. Yeah, no, I, you know, we often refer to it as breaking the cycle on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you'll hear litigants say it all the time. You know, I, I just don't want to be in the same situation that I was in. And it really is rewarding to see men stepping up to the plate and saying, I want to be a father, I want to be a better father, either that, than I had or because I didn't have one. And I think that's what gets really interesting. Uh, again, when this show was mentioned you know, uh, as to going to market and people said paternity court, oh, is this going to be male bashing? Mm. And I, I think it's, it's actually been the opposite. I think it's become one of these shows where you know, men are able to, to get to prove that they can step up to the plate. I think it's a great place for women to be able to hold men accountable for that. And, um, and it's definitely been fascinating to see because it, it is nice to help people break a cycle. And it's so interesting to see men cry, <laughs> you know, whether they are the father and they're crying out of happiness or they're not the father and they're so disappointed that they're not the father. But, you know, it really, there, there's a safety, a safe atmosphere that's created where people do feel, I mean, this isn't fake, you know, it's not that there's, somebody is, we're not uh, holding up a sign saying cry now. It's real honest emotion. Yeah, I think, you know, that's the thing, you know, we really like to give all of these litigants the opportunity to just be themselves. And, you know, at times you'll hear there are people who, who realize that they've held these emotions in for so long that it almost becomes cathartic for them to be able to release information, release their feelings, you know, in the courtroom. And, um, and they're able to get something out of it because of it. Yes, absolutely. Well, what about, um, I mean, I, I guess because, would you say that because of all the years that you put in and all these different positions working your way up, that when you went to sell the vision of paternity court that it was, well, of course, it was easier for you than someone who hadn't done that. But, I mean, do you think, was it kind of a, not a shoe-in, but, I mean, I'm just wondering, like, for people who are, who are listening to this and who are thinking, um, gee, I would like to, I have a great idea for a show. I, how, I wonder how you get a show made in Hollywood. Is it, is it just a matter of, of building up trust amongst 
the people who you have to pull together to make a show like this, or, or what would you what would you tell people? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a big piece of it is that you have to have enough of the experience to have some credibility in the space so that when you do go to sell something um, and go in with an idea, the executives can say, oh, we do believe that this person can execute this idea. So even if we think it's a great idea, but we don't feel that they have the track record or the experience to execute it, that becomes a problem. So I think, yes, it was helpful that I had, you know, many shows that I had already run as an executive producer and showrunner, as well as, you know, having sold and developed shows. I think that was helpful. You know, again, like any other business, I think sometimes it takes the right place at the right time and a whole lot of luck. You know, this wasn't a show, you know, I'll, I'll talk about something that I don't know if it's ever been discussed even in the, in the press, but this wasn't a show that I was out pitching and pitching and pitching and pitching and went to, you know, 10 different studios. This was an idea that I had written down. Um, I came up with it nine years ago and was waiting for the right time mm. for this to happen. Mm. And I had a treatment, I had written it up, and um, randomly, I got a, a message in Facebook from an executive at MGM, a woman named Vicki Gregorian, who runs sales for MGM. And she said to me, I have, I have a question. Can you send me you know, your, your phone number? And I had sold her ideas years ago. She was at New Line, and I sold her a few shows there. And um, nothing ever happened. They ended up in development deals and um, 9-11 hit and the market crashed and no one was, was making new shows and it went bye-bye. And we had kind of stayed in touch through the years, and, and, but nothing ever happened. She sent me this note in Facebook and, and said, hey, I have a question. Sent her my number. About five or ten minutes later, she called me and said, hey, I'm over at MGM now. And um, as a company, we've been distributing second-run shows. So that means when a show is aired in primetime or on cable and then as a second-run repeats, then gets syndicated. We've been doing those shows, but we want to try to do something original. And I love your ideas. Do you have any ideas? And she said, you know, we're thinking maybe a court show. And I said, I've had this idea that I really want to go out and pitch, and I haven't. It's called Paternity Court. I said, I love it. I'll call you back. She called me back about 15 minutes later and said, can you go meet with John Bryan, the president of MGM Domestic Television, next week? (laughs) And wow. the, rest was, the, the rest is history. So wow. there was a lot of luck that went into it. You know, Dr. Carroll, I think it was a, a good idea, um, a solid concept. Um, you know, it became fantastic when once I identified Lauren Lake to, to be our judge. You know, she's brilliant and, and compassionate and caring with a legal background, a, you know, a, a motivational speaking background. So all of that, I feel like it came together and... MGM just got really passionate and, and went out to market. Wow! Yes, that uh, hmm. you know that really that really does seem like it was uh, sitting there waiting for the right time, and it just kind of popped up for you. But of course, it <laughs> popped up you know an overnight success after all these years of, of doing all these other things. Um, what about if somebody has an idea, doesn't necessarily want to be the executive producer or you know work on it, but just wants to sell their idea? Look, I, you know, I think this is, this is a, a, a really interesting business, and, and the biggest thing I can say to people is protect yourself as much as you can. Write down the idea, you know, if you don't, even if you don't register it with the WGA, you know, write down the concept, put it in an envelope, send it to yourself so you have it dated, write down in there what days you're going to meet with people, if you're going to discuss it with anybody, and protect yourself, and save the, the you know, the dated envelope so that when, it, when you send it to yourself and it comes back in the mail, you have it dated. You then can track back where you met with different people um, and just try to be as protective as you can to, to, you know, hold on to your idea. Because unfortunately, there are a lot of people who 
borrow ideas. Let's say that. Yes, yes, absolutely. Well, uh, I do hear the music, and we do need to take another break. My guest is David Armour. We're talking, of course, about paternity court, and we'll be right back. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Tune into Around the World in a Glass, presented by Sportsman's. We're a show all about wine, spirits, and other beverages. Your host, Kimber Stonehouse, is a professional expert and wine enthusiast. Each week, we'll focus on a different region of the world, discuss wines and other beverages, talk about some of the top restaurants in the region, and what to pair with which wine. Just listening could make you almost an expert. Around the World in a Glass is heard live every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, here today with David Armour. He is the creator and executive producer of Paternity Court, the hottest new show on television. And uh, as I said, I'll be giving you at the end the, the how you can find where, if you haven't already, <laughs> where the show is playing in your area. It's nationally syndicated and what time it's on. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been, before the break, well, we, we've, <laughs> there are so many. We're, we're actually going to go in, uh, and talk about some of the most um, interesting shows um, to give you kind of be teasers so that you um, will be, uh, can't help yourself, but you'll be drawn to the television and tuning it in. Um, once you actually, once you see it one time, you will become addicted to it. That's, that's actually true. So, David, what, what, uh, what's one of the ones that are on the top of your mind right now? You know what, what? What's exciting to me is I feel like every day in our studio we get oh. surprised with something different, right? So I think you know what's been fantastic is it's the range of shows. So I think to ask me what's the one thing I don't know. There are a lot of shows that have surprised me. You know, we did a case with a guy who spent five years in prison for unpaid child support, locked up, um, really because he had failed to to attend his first court date. He was then deemed to be the father. The woman thought she had a DNA test because uh, they uh, allegedly an old sample had been pulled. 
Um, and so, you know, in her mind, she had a report from the lab, so she thought he was the father. He had spent five years in jail, thought he wasn't the father, claimed he never did a, a, gave an actual sample. Um, you know, the woman was told from the lab that, that a sample had been pulled from a previous sample and um, that he was the father. And, you know, when our labs ran two samples and, and tested this twice, he was deemed to not be the father. Yes, that and was. That was, that was amazing. That was shocking. Yes. That was shocking. It was, and, and you know, I think it was a a good lesson for for people who are watching that that um, that sometimes when it's through the system, you know, and and a, a huge bureaucracy of jails and courts and all that, um, sometimes these mistakes can happen. It, it actually reminds me of some other cases where um, the men um, were were called to court. And they didn't show up because they were in another state or there was some problem yep. that they had. And so they never got to court and they were just um, deemed automatically the father because they didn't show up to protest that. Yeah, no, I mean, and that's a running theme we're seeing in the show is, you know, people don't realize if you get called to court, you need to go. You know, and in this specific case, what was so fascinating is, you know, I can promise you that, you know, when, when the man walked into court, he was extremely doubtful. You know, in his mind, it had been a one-night stand or a short-term relationship. In her mind, she was 100% convinced. She had lab paperwork. There was nothing that led her to believe that he wasn't the father. Yes, yes. And so, you know, I think everybody was surprised in that one. Um, and it's yes. one of those unfortunate situations because, it, you know, unfortunately, you know, everybody had been led to believe one thing for 20-plus years that ended up not being the truth. Yes, absolutely. Well, that's, I, know, look, that's, um, that's... apparently Danny is calling from Los Angeles, so why don't we go to him? Okay. Hello? Hi, Danny. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, hey, David. Hello. Uh, so my question is, why do you think people want to come on paternity court in the first place? What's their motivation there? Good question. I think it's severalfold. I think people want answers. I think what you were just saying, Dr. Carroll, about, you know, surprises and answers and getting a conclusion, I think so many of these people, you know, they've been going through the uncertainty. And I think uh, paternity court gives them finality because the DNA doesn't lie. And so I think for many of these people, it can go to denial, denial, denial. And obviously, anytime someone's walking into a court, each plaintiff and defendant, so to speak, has a different perspective of what's gone on, yet they walk into the courtroom and they can get a final answer because the DNA is going to tell them the truth. So I think that's the biggest reason that people come on. And I think, you know, for many of them, it's, it's a place, it's a safe place to have a dialogue about what can happen next. So for someone who is the father, what happens? For someone who's not the father, what happens? And uh, we see it all the time on the show. We yeah. see it all the time. Yes, that's a good point. It's not really just that they get a free paternity test and a lot of the people, or free DNA test, and a lot of the people can't afford it otherwise. You know, it's, I realize it's such a gift to these people, but it's not just the free test. It's also that they do get to actually talk about what happens next. Yeah, and I think, look, before we were on the air and we were, you know, producing cases, I think it was even a little bit different. I think people, you know, thought they could get the finality, they could get the answers, they could get the DNA tests. I think now that we're on the air and they're seeing what the mm. show is and the quality of the show and the fact that, you know, Lauren, like, cares, you know, she's not a, a, a TV judge sitting up there who doesn't care about her litigants. She cares about people. And I think now that they see that and the fact that she actually does help them move forward, 
Um, and, you know, the dirty little secret is she really does follow up with people. You know, she calls people on the phone. She Skypes with them to check in to make sure that they are moving forward. I think now that we're on the air, people want to come on the show because they realize that, that she and the show can really help them move forward. Yes, absolutely, that they're not kind of left to figure this out on their own, even if they can afford the test. Correct. Danny, did you have any other questions? Uh, no, that was a really good question. I mean, a really good answer. Thank you, David. Um, I, that's it for me. Okay, thank you for calling. Um, yes, there. You know, there are so many. I mean, some of the also the most um, uh, touching cases have to do with. I mean, it's it, of course there are, there are a lot of the paternity tests. I mean, why don't you talk about how you decided <clears throat> what age the kids, so to speak can be on the, on the show. Again, you know, I think to, to the feeling of wanting the show to be responsible, you know, when kids are, are, are babies and we have babies on the show, they don't know what's going on. So it's not going to be impactful for them. We didn't want to have, you know, 10, 11, 12-year-old kids getting tested, going back to school, getting teased that they don't know who their father is. So it was really about doing, you know, really young children before they're in school where, you know, hopefully this can only lead to a positive impact on their lives down the, down the road and then kids older than 18 so that they could make a decision as an adult if they wanted to come on and, and have a test. Um, but again, it's, it's all in the spirit of being responsible and, um, and helping people move forward, not, not allowing them to go back into schools and be made fun of. Yes, yes. And because I was just going to say about how some of the so-called kids, you know, the children who are looking to find out who their father is, are, are 35 years old. And they have either been lied to or their mother uh, doesn't know who the father is. And so few different men or one or more than one come to be tested. Um, but, and some of these um, people, you know, I mean, it's really difficult for them to, to adjust. Um, but, of course, everyone, I mean, everyone says that they want to know the truth. Of course, it's better to know the truth. Even, unfortunately, I mean, that's another thing. There are so many take-home messages uh, that people watching the show can see. I mean, if, if someone's watching the show and they um, wouldn't want to be on it themselves, but they learn all these lessons like um, tell your child the truth, who, your, who their father is before they're 35, and, and I think that leads right to, you know, right back to your, your previous question, Dr. Carroll, which is, you know, most interesting cases. You know, we did a case of a woman who fainted on the show. Yeah. Well, why did she faint? She had kept a secret for 29 years uh, that the man who raised her son may or may not be his biological father. And the truth in this case is she had good reason not to say anything. You know, she, the man who raised her son was a good man, stepped up to the plate, promised her that no matter what, whether he was or was not the child's father, he was going to be a good father, he was going to provide. And so as the, the child kept getting older and older and older, the mother never could figure out when she should say something to him. Yeah. So I think this was such a conundrum for her. Do I say something or do I continue going on and raising him, believing that this man is his father and everything is going so well in our family? Well... The young man who came into court at the age of 29, not knowing who his father was, had heard rumors through the town and through his family that the man who raised him may not be his father. And he was hurt. I mean, he was devastated. And finally, he got up the courage to go and confront his mother and ask her, is this man my father? And she said, I don't know. And that was only you know, a month and a half or two months prior to entering paternity court. And those feelings were raw and emotional and... 
you know, it was one of those cases where every single person who entered that courtroom as a litigant was correct. He was hurt that his mother couldn't tell him and hadn't told him. She was correct because she was doing what she thought was in yeah. his best interest in raising him. And when the results came out, she was so emotional, she fainted. Yes. <laughs> yes, that was emotional for all of us. <laughs> yeah. That's why she fainted. Um, yes, you know, that is one of the interesting things, too, that so many times when um, the mothers didn't tell their child, uh, I mean, sometimes it was because they really weren't even sure of themselves, um, because there could have been, you know, several men that could be the father, or at least uh, more than one. But some, so many times it's because the man who is in the mother's life at the time uh, or the choice that she makes is for the man who seems to want to step up to the plate, who seems more stable than the other potential fathers. And she chooses this really in the best interests of the child, um, or so she thinks at the time, that this is someone who's going to be a better father than um, one of the other people it could possibly be. Right. And I think, look, Dr. Harrell, I mean, you know, we're sitting on a couch here, right? We're, we're talking about couch time here, and... and I'm sure you talk about it all, all the time. When is the right time to reveal a secret? Or isn't there a right time? Or should you always, you know, hold it in? And I think that's one of those, those dilemmas that, that people always face when it's something that's the, the unknown. And, um, and I think this issue is a huge one. But sometimes is it best just letting it lie? Probably no. But when's then the right time to talk about it? Well, um... Yes, and the answer is that it really depends upon each situation. You know, it's hard. Like you can't say ten years old is the perfect time. It might be the perfect time for some of the people, you know, but not necessarily for others. Um, so, so you know, each each and and it kind of also depends upon then what the what the truth is, um, what the age is, what the truth is, what the maturity is. Um, what the, the situation is, I mean, the, the, their current, uh, where they live, I mean, all kinds of things go into it. But, but at some point, they really do need to know because if, if for nothing else, I mean, besides the fact that everybody really deserves to know the truth, besides that, there are medical reasons. You know, you need to know what kinds of um, medical illnesses run in the family, for example, what you might be predisposed uh, to. Um, right. Things like that, and of course, you know, I mean, of course, there's like blood transfusions and things, but that's kind of a lesser, less likely than you know, needing a kidney. <laughs> but that's that's a little less likely. But it is likely that if you need to know if, if all the men in the family died at 40 of a heart attack, for example, um, right. you know, so so there are really good reasons to to know. But I mean, there's there's no doubt about it. Even when the people are happy about the results, it is, of course, a shake-up to their, to their system, to their, the way that they've all been relating to each other. But then they can start from that point and, and relate in a more honest um, way and begin to heal and begin to sort of rearrange things in their lives. And I, and I do think that that kind of moral and ethical dilemma of when to tell and when to discuss and when to reveal and all of those pieces is also what makes the show for me really fascinating. You know, it's what I call kind of that roller coaster of the story because, you know, it's the ups and downs of of every story um, that really becomes fascinating. And as you said, for each person, it's a different dilemma, and for each person, there's a different right time. And I think that that's fascinating as it unfolds. You know, of course, 
It does have, I mean, even when the, um, I mean, there is a, an impact to the results, even if the, if, if the children are babies, it's not the impact that you were talking about as far as going to school and being made fun of. I mean, yes, and I really respect you for that, for, for making those age dis- limits, you know. Um, but sometimes the parents or the people involved don't really appreciate. Uh, I think they do eventually by the time the show is over, but they don't necessarily at the beginning appreciate what the impact will be on the child. In, in other words, what the long-term impact will be. Um, and, of course, it's hard to know until you know what the results are, which is part of what's interesting, too, who the people are who call paternity court. Like, who's the one who instigates in a particular family or a particular group of people? Uh, who's the one that calls into the show or goes onto the website and first contacts the show? Um, it's so interesting how, how it varies, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Oh, and no, I think that part's fascinating. And, and again, the reasons for wanting to know are also so different. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's not just the who wants to know, but the reasons. Yes, so some, yes. who, some are financially charged. You know, so for some women... Um, Wait, David, I need you know, to interrupt you because I hear the music in the background. <laughs> we go ahead. Leave it on a cliff um, and come back to that, why people want to know. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. My guest is David Armour. We're talking about the new hot show, Paternity Court. And we'll be right back. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, here today taking you behind the scenes of paternity court with its creator and executive producer, David Armour. And we've been talking about some of the uh, some of the kinds of shows that you will see, and uh, what goes on behind the scenes. Um, and you were starting to say before the break, David, about the reasons, the different reasons that people have for coming on. Yeah, I mean, you know, it can be anything from you know a woman who wants to make sure that the man financially steps up and is responsible, um, which she absolutely deserves. It can be a, a man who feels that, you know someone he's been cheated on and wants just the the answer you know am i the father or not it can be a parent who wants to know for her son 
Um, so there's so many different reasons and motivations for wanting to know. I think the important for us is that people want to know. You know, we don't want people wanting to just appear on a television show. We want people who emotionally um, need to know. You know, we, we take this very seriously. So for us, it's really important when we're allowing people to enter a paternity court that, um, that they have real emotional motivation, that this is not about being on TV, this is not about coming and clowning uh, as they would on other shows. We take it very, very, very seriously um, because we want to help people get the answers that they need and deserve. Yes, they have to have a lot at stake. Um, and it's, it's not where the time gets taken up by people physically fighting with each other or calling each other right. names and, you know, that kind of thing. Um, exactly. It really is going deep into the story. Um, well, here we're kind of coming towards the end of the show, and um, one of the questions I thought might be interesting is, what keeps a TV producer, i.e. you, <laughs> up at night? Oh, God, so many things. Three children. <laughs> does, that, does, that, does that count? And I have three kids. I guess it's sure. to do with my TV career. Um, you know what? For me, I think I'm a perfectionist. You know, I set a really high bar with this show. I set a really high bar with everything that I do. I don't believe in mediocrity. I don't believe in losing. I don't believe in letting people down. And so for me, it's, you know, I try to be a perfectionist as much as I can. And so... Um, I think it's just always thinking of, like, you know, what is it that can make the show better? What is it that can better serve the guests? What is it that can make, you know, uh, make the show better in general? I mean, I read every, every day I'm on Twitter and Facebook, and I'm mm. reading what people are saying about the show. And so mm. I look at both the positive and the negative and figure out what is it that we can do to, to continue to improve the show. And you're never going to make everybody happy, but I, but I do take every comment, every um, suggestion, I take it seriously. Has there been a trend? What, what are some of the things that you've been seeing that people are writing, positive or negative? No, I mean, look, they, you know, we've done a lot of social media analyses, and um, we're at, believe it or not, approximately 90% positive sentiment about the show. Hmm. Um, so I'm really proud of that. I think one of the interesting things that I see is, is the fact that people are co-viewing the show, and it's a lot of co- um, or multi-generational viewing. Hmm. So, I mean, if I looked, you know, a lot of people will say, um, watching paternity court with my mom, or I just saw one here, uh, walked in, uh, my aunt's watching paternity court. Someone else just said, walked in on, uh, hold on, if I could scan through it right now, it's on my computer, uh, walked in on my grandma watching paternity court. Um, you know, convinced my grandma to watch paternity court, convinced my mom to watch it. So mm-hmm. I think that's really interesting, that multi-generational viewing um, yeah, has been really yeah. fascinating. And then there are also, believe it or not, a bunch of people who I've seen said, watching paternity court with my husband. Watching paternity court with my boyfriend. Yes, that, well, that is good because it's obviously helping families relate to each other, even uh, who aren't on the show. That that's wonderful. Um, yeah, I mean, again, that 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 was the the opportunity that I saw with this show is that I felt like we could get people who are grandparents and we could get you know college kids. If you saw the number of college kids who are writing, watching paternity court in my dorm, <laughs> you know, have to decide: am I going to do homework or watch paternity court? <laughs> do your homework and, and tape paternity court. But, um, but I think we see a lot of that, you know, both, both um, spectrums on, uh, you know, of, of age. Well, and it kind of makes sense because the guests, um, you know, even though the babies, well, there are the babies who are off camera. Well, we actually, <laughs> we see the babies. Um, they're shot off camera, and then sometimes they, they're brought into uh, Judge Lauren's chambers to meet the um, newly... Uh, diagnosed father and so on, but um, 
but so it goes <clears throat> from babies to grandparents, um, mm-hmm. and so it would make sense that it would appeal to um, generations watching it together, because you're, you can you can identify with each of the uh, generations on the show. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I'm literally yeah, I'm literally looking at uh at tweets right now, Dr. Carol, where Woolridge, I just walked in on mom watching paternity court. Uh, you know, th- those are those are great. Nothing says uh, bonding like watching. Pat- Wait, hold on, I just lost that one. Nothing says bonding like watching paternity court with the ones you love. Huh. Um, so you know, it it definitely is interesting. Deciding between going to class and watching paternity court was my most important decision today. <laughs> uh, any guesses which one they picked? <laughs> yeah, I don't know, but my favorite ones are you know at paternity court. Love the show. Those are the mm-hmm. tweets I love to see. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, let's. I want to make sure we have time to give out all the uh, information. First of all, um, well, would you like to do it? <laughs> sure. Okay. You know, the website which has all the station information is paternitycourt.tv. So paternitycourt.tv. You can. It, it has all local listings there, so that's the easiest place to go to find it. Um, or obviously, people can find us on Facebook. You know, finding us on Facebook is Facebook. You know, backslash paternity court, and and through that they can ask uh, questions and interact with other people. Um, and then obviously we have at, at Paternity Court is our our Twitter account. So, and also um, on paternitycourt.tv, uh, besides going to the station finder to see when and where you can find it in your uh, neighborhood, you can also click on be on paternitycourt.tv. Correct. Um, and Correct. find out if you, you know if you would like to be considered to be <clears throat> on the show. Uh, and again, it's not. It doesn't have to be just a question of father. It could be needing a DNA test to see um, whether this person who says they're the, your sibling is really, or are they just coming to try to get part of the inheritance, or you know, all kinds of questions where DNA is the issue. So you can come and you write your story, um, and then a producer will get back to you and talk about it, and you'll see if uh, they'll see if you're right for the show, and you'll see if you're right for the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's, it's it's great. You know, the 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 response has been amazing. We're really grateful for the viewers. Um, you know, this has been uh, a, a, an amazing journey so far, and, and you know, we're really hopeful that this journey is going to go on and on and on for many years to come. Yes, there are many uh, many families that need these kinds of answers, <clears throat> and um, you know, I've as you know, I've been um, involved with a lot of different. Uh, mainly as a as an expert guest on a lot of different um, uh, well talk shows and um, reality shows, and I am honored to be part of one that honestly um, does take responsibility so seriously and really does care about the guest number one. So, so thank no, you. No, I, I appreciate that. Let's let we have do we have thirty seconds to yes, really keep ahead, it real with your with, with your listeners, Doctor Carol. Sure, sure. So let's be real, Doctor Carol. Keep it real with your viewers. When yes. when we first contacted you about you know being a part of this show and being behind the scenes, you were skeptical. Let's yes. let's be real. You were skeptical, yes, yes. and I appreciated that. <laughs> and, and and we had to prove ourselves to you that we did care about these litigants and we cared about people and we took it seriously and and you know we were not out to exploit people and and I valued that you know you really challenged us and. Um, you know, and value the fact that, that that you're a part of it, and 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 believe in our vision. Yes. Well, thank you. Yes, you're absolutely right. <laughs> Everything you said. Well, now we need to take. Well, not to take. I wish we were taking a break. We actually need to end the show again. Go to paternitycourt.tv. You'll find out 
all the information you need. Thank you, David Armour, for being a great guest, and thank you uh, for putting on this fabulous show on television. And thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff, and management.